You may have just noticed that we didn't actually have a gospel reading uh, this morning. We're going to do something a little bit different today for the sermon. What we're going to do is we're going to take the narrative of Palm Sunday and we're going to break it up in about five sections and we're going to give little brief meditations on each one of those sections for you today. And we'll do this while we sing that wonderful Palm Sunday uh, hymn, All Glory, Laud, and Honor. So I want to encourage you, if you have a Bible, you might want to take it out at this time. We will have the readings for you on the screen. Uh, but we will be in John chapter 12, verses 12 through 43. And I pray that this sort of different service, this different sermon today, would help you stop and focus and really meditate upon the Lord's Palm Sunday and his passion for our salvation. So we begin at this time. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks this day that you have granted us your Son, Jesus Christ, for our salvation. And Lord, as we prepare to remember and look back upon his passion, we pray that you would look upon us with your mercy and your favor. Help us always to have hearts that trust in Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Now, Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. There are those days which we never really forget. There are those days that call for a great deal of reflection, and we find ourselves calling them to mind very often. Maybe it's a great day, like a wedding, or a day like a graduation, or the birth of a child, or it could be a sorrowful day, like when a tragedy happens, or when you went to a funeral, or something like this. I recently have found myself reflecting a great deal upon my wedding day. I love that day, and I think about it a lot, and there's parts of that day that I'll just never forget. I'll always remember Stephanie walking in with her father through that door, uh, the light glowing behind her and just the joy on her face. I'll never forget the tears in my dad's eyes as he officiated that service, though he still claims they weren't tears, it was allergies. None of us believe him. I'll never forget that. I'll never forget uh, going from the ceremony to the reception in a horse-drawn carriage in Breckenridge, Colorado, as it started to rain on my wife and I. That was a lot of fun. Uh, there's just parts of that day that bring me great joy, and I reflect on them all the time. But i got to tell you, I don't know if I really appreciated that day as much then as I do now. Looking back on everything that happened, I don't know if I realized what I was getting myself into. I guarantee Steph didn't know what she was getting herself into. And I don't know if I really realized where it, we would be at this point in our lives. Like from that day where we are now, it changes everything about the way I look back and reflect. Well, John is inviting us to do something very similar today. He is inviting us to reflect upon a very significant day in his life, that very first Palm Sunday. And John remembers and reflects upon a great deal from that day. He remembers the crowds of the people. He remembers Jesus on the donkey. He remembers the plotting and the angst and the, and the uh, betrayal. And as he looks back on that day, he now sees it with an entirely different perspective because of what is going to happen after that day. John and the others who were celebrating on that Palm Sunday were not prepared for what was about to follow, but what was about to follow would change everything. Everything they realized that they experienced that day was preparing them for what was to come. The death of Jesus on a cross. 
So we join John today in his reflection as he invites us to remember and look back on that first Palm Sunday. We sing together all glory, laud, and honor. day, the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and had been done to him. The crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to bear witness. The reason why the crowd went to meet him was that they heard he had done this sign. Looking back, John remembers the size of the crowd, the fervor, the cries for salvation. Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And Hosanna, that is a cry for salvation. Quite literally, it is a word that means, Lord, save us. And Jesus had all the makings of the Savior. He had just raised a man, his friend Lazarus, from the dead. He was riding a donkey into Jerusalem just the way the prophets had foretold. And he now had all of Israel, it would seem, behind him. The Jews were on his side. This looked like a Messiah, a Savior. His approval ratings were off the charts at this time. He had some real celebrity cachet. Just look at how he enters into his glory. But John remembers his own thoughts and his own feelings. And he says, looking back, we didn't understand this at all. Along with the crowds, John confesses that they thought Jesus was coming to save in a very different way. To be sure, Jesus would answer their cries for salvation, but not in the way they were expecting. See, they wanted a different kind of salvation than what Jesus was offering. They wanted a, a political salvation. They wanted a salvation free from the troubles of this world. They wanted a salvation in which the Romans would leave them alone. Hosanna, Hosanna, save us from the Romans. Save us from our earthly troubles. Now again, Jesus had come to save them, but not in the way that anyone expects. And his salvation would only really be understood after it was accomplished on a cross, after he had died. His salvation would come and not in what looked like a great political victory, but what looked like defeat 
the whole world. We sing the next verse. said to one another, you see that you are gaining nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. Now among those who went up to worship at the feast were some Greeks. So these came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and asked him, sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew. Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. And Jesus answered them, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Looking back, John reflects upon the surprising contrast of how Jesus was received. We read that the whole world was going after him, Jews and Gentiles alike. Now Jesus had come for the Jews. Jesus himself was Jewish, the Jewish Savior, and he had come to his own people. And to be sure, many of his people were his followers. Those crowds singing his hosannas and praises were crowds of Jews, even his own disciples were Jews. But their leaders, they were not following. They did not receive Jesus. They saw Jesus' gain as their loss. And they loved the darkness, John would write, rather than the light. And Jesus' own would not receive him. They didn't want Jesus there. They didn't want to see Jesus there. They wanted Jesus out of sight and out of mind. But this Jewish Messiah, in contrast, we must recognize, came not only for the Jews, but to be the Savior of the whole world. For God so loved the whole world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. And so now this begotten Son who is given to the world is having his name spread throughout the world. And the world is coming to see Jesus. As we just hear about these Greeks, these impure Gentile sinners who come to Jesus and speak the words of every faithful believer. Words that all believers find on their lips. We wish to see Jesus. John, as he so often does, reminds us here now that there are really only two ways of having Jesus. To either try and remove him from sight or to long to see him. This day, Jesus would have you see him. Not with your eyes as of yet, but with your faith. For he who has appeared in the flesh to these Greeks comes to you today, not not in flesh walking into your room, but in his word. To draw you out of the nations and to make you a part of his kingdom. You see, he has chosen you to open your eyes that his light might shine upon you. We sing our next verse. 
Truly, truly I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it. Whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Now is my soul troubled. What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. For this purpose I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. Looking back, John would have us reflect now on Jesus' words. Not just the events of the day, but what Jesus has to say. And I always wonder what was going through the minds of the disciples when they would first hear Jesus teach and preach to them. I mean, sometimes Jesus talks, and it's really hard to figure out what he's saying like sometimes you'll have jesus give these parables and after he's given the parables the disciples get him alone and they say yeah all right you got to explain that one to us what does that mean what 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 is that parable all about and i appreciate those moments because i don't always follow jesus myself and it's nice to know that i'm in the company of the disciples here and i got to think that this is one of those moments because here we are we got this great party scene you got all the kids singing palm branches being waved everyone's celebrating and calling out for salvation from this jesus who most certainly can accomplishment and jesus begins to talk about dying seeds seed won't bear fruit unless it dies you gotta wonder they're like why is it always death with this guy what good can come from death He says a dead seed will bear fruit, and then he starts talking about us following him and going where he is going and saying if we're going to serve him, we have to follow him. Follow him where? To death? What's going on here? What is he talking about? Well, we at least can hear this. This is when Jesus has come. He has come to this, what he calls his troubling hour. And looking back on this, we know exactly why he's talking about death. We know exactly what he's talking about. He's talking about dying on a cross and having his body laid in a tomb. He's talking about a resurrection and the fruit that will come forth from that empty tomb. But you see, the death must come first. For only once Jesus has died will the fruit be born. For only upon his death will sins be paid for. Only upon his death will death be conquered. Only upon his death will Satan be defeated and will the Father be glorified. It is the fruit of this dead seed that brings you salvation. It is from his death that the fruit comes and you are saved. Thus it is from this death that God is glorified. That's a strange thing to say. I mean, really? A death will glorify God? Listen to what the Father says. I have glorified my name, and I will glorify it again. He will glorify it through Jesus' death. We sing the next verse.
The crowd that stood there and heard it said that it had thundered. Others said, an angel has spoken to him. And Jesus answered, This voice has come for your sake, not mine. Now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show by what kind of death he was going to die. Looking back, John reflects on the confusion that came from the voice of God. Some thought it had thundered. Others thought that there were angels speaking out of the heavens. There was confusion over this voice. Let's be honest. It, there's no difference. With, it's not uh, that much different in our own day when God speaks. Now, God has chosen not to speak to us now by means of thunderous cloud noises, uh, but he speaks to us by means of Scripture. He speaks to us through the Bible. And there's a great deal of confusion about this. Some see this book as nothing more than ancient Jewish mythology. Others think, others think it's nothing more than a book of morals that lead to the good life. And still others want to over-spiritualize it and think they can use it like any other spiritual text to look for the secrets of the universe and understand the philosophies of life. As Jesus says today, just like with the Father's voice from the clouds, this Holy Spirit-delivered Word written on Scriptures, written in pages, is given for your sake. So that you would know the Jesus who was lifted up from the earth in order to draw all people to Himself. In order to draw you to Himself. The whole thing is given to us so that we would see what sort of Jesus we have and what sort of death He was going to die. The entire scripture points to this. In the Old Testament, Moses writes of a greater prophet than him that will come. The law is written to show us our need for sacrificial blood to be shed for sin. The prophets announce a suffering servant who would ride in on a donkey to Jerusalem to die. All of the scriptures point to a Savior who will come to make right all that we in our sin and Satan have set wrong. And this voice, that voice of God, is given to us. The voice of the Scriptures are written for your benefit so that you would know that all that Jesus has done for you, and knowing what He has done for you, you would believe in His name and in believing, have eternal life. We sing. him we have heard from the law that the Christ remains forever how can you say that the Son of Man must be lifted up who is this Son of Man so Jesus said to them the light is among you for a little while longer walk while you have the light 
lest darkness overtake you. The one who walks in the darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light that you may become sons of light. When Jesus had said these things, he departed and hid himself from them. Though he had done so many signs before them, they still did not believe in him, so that the word spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Lord, who has believed what he heard from us, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore, they could not believe. For again, Isaiah said, He has blinded their eyes and hardened their heart, lest they see with their eyes and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. Isaiah said these things because he saw his glory and spoke of him. Nevertheless, many, even of the authorities, believed in him. But for fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess it, so that they would not be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. Looking back, John reflects on the light and the darkness of that moment. And he reflects upon the light and the darkness he still sees. For looking back, John sees the truth that all of this was about Jesus dying for the sins of the world. All of this was about Jesus rising for our salvation. All of this was about light overtaking the darkness and Jesus bringing salvation to all. But looking around as John writes, he still sees a blindness and an embracing of the dark that denies the light. For no matter what Jesus said, no matter what Jesus did, he, they still did not believe in him, nor in their sin could they. Even those among the religious leaders who did trust and believe and liked what Jesus had to say were frightened to say it for fear of the Pharisees, lest they lose their position in society. For to them, the darkness was addicting. And it was scary about what life might look like in the light. The light is frightening to those who love the glory that comes in the dark. But now looking around, this is what Jesus saw too. And this is what Jesus still sees. Darkness and a lack of faith. To be honest, you find such things going on even wrestling around in your own hearts. You must understand, it was for this purpose that he came. It was for that heart that he came. And he has chosen to shine his light on your heart even today and to announce to you the forgiveness of all of your sins from him who died on the cross so that he might draw you to himself. So as we enter into this next week, this holy week, and we look back to Christ and his passion, you will see is the Lord Jesus working your salvation out for you. Behold your Lord Jesus, lifted up on a cross to draw you to himself and to forgive you for all of your sins. Look back and know all of this was accomplished for you. Amen. Let us pray. Lord Jesus Christ, help us this week to look back Upon your passion and to know the sacrifice you have made for our salvation. 
And Lord, teach us to look out to the world around us so that we might proclaim light into the darkness and draw more people to you through our words and our lives. We ask all this in Jesus' most precious name. Amen.